0: And so we come tonight to Luke chapter 24. We find some of the last recorded words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he walked upon this earth. There's a great task that is before us tonight. The task is that we have been given the responsibility to reach our generation. Our generation consists of 7.9 billion people. What an astounding number. How will we ever accomplish this task? This task is too great to accomplish in the power of the flesh. The need is too far reaching to accomplish in the power of the flesh. Our human vision is far too limited for the great task before us. Our resources are far too small. Our fortitude will always come up short. Our work effort too weak. What we find as one of the last commands that the Lord Jesus Christ gave the disciples. As he is just days, just hours before his ascension back to heaven. And what he will tell them is still valid for us this evening. No less great was the responsibility upon the disciples as the Lord ascended back to heaven when he told them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How will such a task be accomplished unless it be done in the power of the Holy Spirit of God? If we will obey the mission call, we must be filled with the Spirit of God. If we will follow the will of God, if we will be obedient to Scripture in what it is that God has designed us and prepared us and created us to be, the power of our flesh will not suffice This must be done in the power of the Spirit. The personal invitations and commands of Christ in Scripture are many. From these we receive the mission's message. The Lord said, Matthew records in chapter 7, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. This is the message that we go to the world with, enter ye. It's a wide gate, it is a broad way that leads to destruction, and it is a narrow way. And there is only one entrance into heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. So we go with the message, enter ye. This is the message of Christ. This is the mission's message. Later in that chapter, chapter 7 and verse number 23, the Lord says this, Then will I profess to them, I never knew ye depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is the mission's motive. For all of those who will stand before Jesus Christ and hear those two words, depart ye. what a tragic day what an eternally tragic day depart ye we come a few chapters later in the book of matthew the lord conveys to the disciples the great need of the world the harvest truly is plenteous but the labors are few And he gives them both a command and an invitation again, which is still valid for us tonight. And he casts upon them the great burden of their generation. And he says to them, Pray ye, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is the word of God. The gospel still works. It's still the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Pray ye. In the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 10, we find the the mission's mandate where the Lord tells his disciples, Go ye. The praying must be done, but the going is to follow. And he says, Go ye. Those disciples go in chapter number 10. They go out, they face persecution. He warned them there would be trouble, there would be hatred, there would be persecution. And to those who had gone out, he gives another invitation in chapter 11 of Matthew. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, come ye. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come ye. But we come to Luke chapter 24, and we find the Lord giving his disciples this command He said, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Like the child who runs ahead of his parents. How often could we enter danger and embrace errant doctrine and treat distraction? How often could we enter danger? We could get into a place where we should not be as a child freely running into a highway crosswalk ahead of parents. As an infant reaching unwittingly into a a, a lion's cage or a youth rambling into a pit of vipers, how could it be that we could get ourselves ahead of God and so quickly get in trouble? Tarry ye. Tarry ye. I wonder in our work how often we get ahead of God. Impatience. Impatience was Moses smiting the rock twice. It cost him his future. Impatience was Israel at Ai. They went to battle before they had dealt with sin. And it cost Achan his life. Impatience was the ark of God upon the shoulders of the priests. Uzzah with his life for these things. They got ahead of God. In our weakness do we get ahead of God. King Asa, when he was diseased in his feet, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. David encourages us in Psalm 37. In our wars do we get ahead of God. King Saul, when faced with an innumerable, innumerable army of Philistines, the men about him were in a strait, the Bible says. The people were hiding in caves and rocks and thickets and in pits. They were hiding from the enemy. And instead of waiting on God and instead of following after the heart of God, instead of being obedient to the commandment of God, he forced his way into a place that was not his to enter into. And he offered a sacrifice, a work not his to do. And it was at that point that God rejected him from being king over Israel. King David again encourages us truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. My soul wait thou only upon God. My expectation is from him. Impatience. Impatience is the game of human strength over eternal power. Impatience is the mind of earthly ways over heavenly wisdom. Impatience is the mind or the work of a fallen will over God's divine way. Impatience is the immediate over the eternal. It's the flesh before the spirit. It's self before others. It's earth before heaven. It's pride before humility. Impatience is me before God. Impatience is I can take care of this myself. I don't need the Lord's help. Impatience says, I can can come up with the finances, I can come up with the funding, I can come up with the vision. I don't need the Lord. Lord, we've got this one without you. The dangers of impatience are many. Getting ahead of God's timing. The Bible tells us that it was in the fullness of time that Christ was born. If in the fullness of time Christ was born... For 4,000 years, mankind had waited. And if it was in the fullness of time that Christ was born, God does everything right on time. And if it was in the fullness of time that Christ was born, do you not think that God can work things in his own timing in our lives? That God knows exactly where we are and exactly what we need. And God in the fullness of time will bring it to pass in my life and in your life. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. The Lord tells his disciples these words. He says, tarry ye. He knows the human heart. He knows human nature. Oh, how off we get out ahead of God. Tarry ye. There's the danger of operating in the flesh instead of in the spirit. Tear ye. When I, when I speak of tearing, let me clarify for just a moment of time. When I speak of, uh, of tearing, I, I do not speak of delaying. When we know what God has asked us to do, when God gives us his will, when we get the directive from God, from scripture, we have but to do that. When you know what God is asking you to do, I might be speaking to someone tonight who is living in a place of fear. God has spoken to you and you are afraid to be obedient because of what it might cost. Because of how it might hurt. When we know what God has directed us to do, we have but to do that. To delay is disobedience. If you know that God has spoken to you and given you His will, then get busy at doing the will of God. Be busy about that. But I do not hesitate to emphasize this thought of tarrying to stay, to abide, to continue, to wait in expectation on God. God will get us into a place where we have nothing except Him. God will put us in a place where our finances are not sufficient, where our own human strength is not enough. He will put us in dilemmas in life, Where we have nowhere to turn, he allows things to come our way. Where we have no one to look to except to him. And we wait on him and we look to him in that place of expectation. And oh, how our faith grows in those times. Faith doesn't grow in the easy times. Faith grows in the difficulties. Faith grows in the trials. And God allows these things to come our way. And we're to wait on him. There's a great, there's great persecution. There's great trouble that's coming in the life of the disciples. They're going to be out on their own. Jesus is going back to heaven. And there is a task that is before them that is far greater than anything that they have the strength or the wisdom or the vision or the resources or the time to accomplish. And you would think with such a great task ahead of them, the task of reaching their generation, going into all the world, he said, with such a great task before them, he would push them out the door and tell them, hurry along about your business. But instead, he says, tarry ye until ye be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye until ye be endued with power from on high. To tarry is not an actionless state. It's not sitting with a coffee cup in your hand all day waiting in in expectation on God to send it in. There's an expectation. There is a hope that is in our heart. It is continuing in the place that God has us. God might have led you here to college and you're still here. And you are wondering, God, how long are you going to leave me here? Wait in expectation. You are waiting on direction from Him. You're waiting on his guidance. And when he guides, you must obey, but not one second before. For to get ahead of God, to be out of God's will, is a dangerous place. Shall we consider the example of the disciples in Luke chapter 24? The Lord Jesus Christ, he, he gives them some things here in this passage of Scripture. He explains to them why he came in, in uh, verse number 46. Thus, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. There was a purpose for Christ's life. There was a world to be reached by preaching. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. This is still the great task of the church. It is still the great responsibility that rests upon our shoulders. There were laughs today in the Spanish auditorium about the world. The globe over there was directly over the pulpit. And there were some jokes made about the world being upon the shoulders Do you realize tonight that the responsibility of reaching this world is upon our shoulders? If that's not fulfilled out of here, who will fulfill it? If it's not upon you, if it's not upon me, who is it upon? the great responsibility of getting the gospel into all of the world, the far reaches of the world, and yet they tell us that there are likely four billion people, full one half of our world's population who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an astounding number. How can we sit idly by You recall the words of Christ. He said, Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. There's a world to be reached by preaching, there's a, God, a gospel to be published among all the nations. And there is a promise of power to be waited upon from God. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The evangelizing of the world demands more than a willing heart of people with a, a, a knowledge of the written word of God. There must be the power of the Holy Spirit upon us if we are to accomplish such a great task as going into all the world with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is the must of the power of the Spirit. There are so many things for the Christian to accomplish in life. For the parent to make that connection of truth to the heart of that child. You ever feel like there's a disconnect there? There must be the power of the Spirit in the home. For the soul winner, you stand at a door and you're going to make an impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. And there's really just a few moments of time that affect all of eternity. And you've been in traffic. And you've dealt with work and you have responsibilities and all of these things that are upon our heart and upon our life and we stand there in a moment where eternity is going to be affected. We must, we must, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. For a husband and wife in a home to have forgiveness long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. There must be the fruit of the Spirit, and there must be the power of the Holy Spirit of God. This is not something that is just for the pulpit. This is for every child of God. If you will stand behind a lectern in a Sunday school class, or if you will stand behind a lectern in an English class, there is the must of the Holy Spirit and His power in your life. If what we teach will be life-altering, it must go beyond our own wisdom and abilities. For the most gifted person in the room, you must have the Holy Spirit of God. And for the most inept and backward person in the room, and you think God could never use me to do anything, the power of the Spirit of God, the person of the Spirit of God can enable you and empower you to do everything that God has designed for you to do. Everything. And sometimes it seems so challenging And it seems improbable, yea, even in the realm of impossible. But we have a God who specializes in the impossible. And thus we have a spirit who specializes in the impossible. If our children will be trained, there must be power. If our disciples will be taught, there must be power. If our ministries will be effective, there must be power. From the office to the pulpit, from the Sunday school to the elementary school, from the prayer room to the living room, from the altar to the assembly line, we must. And our lives are so busy. Our schedules are so full and our phone, the alarms go off and tell us now it's time to go here and now it's time to do that. And our schedule so dictates our life that I'm afraid there are many days of our lives that we spend in the power of our flesh. In human effort, we must be endued with power from on high. The last recorded words of Christ before he leaves this earth, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I began the message with this thought, we have a task before us that is overwhelming. To just reach all of the nations of the flags that are represented here around the balcony. But you shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and watch this, and unto the uttermost part. Where's the uttermost part? The place where the name of Christ has never been named. The place where the name of Christ is not welcome. The spiritually dark places. The far reaches. The places that we might, in human terminology, call closed places. With the power and the leadership of the Holy Ghost of God, you shall receive power after that. Do we believe this tonight? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Where is the believer with the Holy Spirit of God and his power upon him going to the uttermost parts of the earth? I'm afraid we're living in our own power. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. John says you have an unction, the unction of the Holy One. There is the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God that abideth in you that John writes about in his first epistle. The filling of the power, the filling of the person of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. Oswald Smith said something along these lines, what if Christ holds us responsible at the judgment seat of Christ for what could have been accomplished if we had lived a life in the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost of God? What if we're held responsible for what could have been? What a dreadful day. The disciples tarried in the place of obedience. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem. The Bible says, and they returned to Jerusalem. They obeyed what Christ had told them to do. Are you in the place that God has told you to be? How many countries are unentered because of disobedience? How many souls are unreached because of disobedience? Have we tarried in the place of obedience? They tarried in the place of prayer. The Bible says in Acts 1, verses 12 to 14, then returned they unto Jerusalem, and when they were come in, they went into an upper room, and these all continued with one accord in prayer. Prayer is tuning my heart to God. These instrumentalists come in, and they will tune their instruments to the piano, which stays mostly in tune. To 440... They will tune up their instruments so that everything is in one accord. And that place of prayer is tuning my heart to the heart of God and yielding my will. It was in the place of prayer in John 17 where the Lord Jesus Christ is submitting himself. Yea, he knew why he was here. And he spoke words that the Holy Ghost of God inspired for us to read. Where he yields himself afresh and anew to the Father's will, not my will, but thine be done. In that place of prayer, that place of yieldedness, it was in the place of prayer that we first read of the Holy Spirit of God descending upon the person of Christ. He was being baptized and the Holy Ghost descended, but the Bible also records this, that he was there praying, records that in the book of Luke. He was there praying and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you sue for loving favor? I've not always done so. Many times I've preached because it was time to preach. I've ministered because it was time to minister. I've served because it was time to serve. That's what was next in the schedule. And I did so in the power of the flesh. Ere the day began, did we spend time with God, tearing for his leading before the service began tonight, did we find anywhere to get along with God? Ask Him to speak to our heart tonight in this service. Here the opportunity came. Did we spend time with God, tearing for His power, or did we rush headlong into the place of service, into the heat of battle, into the face of the enemy? Child of God, you are sealed to the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of God. We know that from Scripture. But there's a filling and a power that comes for service. It's It's not for an emotional experience. But it comes for service. That our lives might be fruitful. That our lives might be effective. That our lives might bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We heard this afternoon in Spanish church about the widow's oil. Every every vessel that she brought. Every empty vessel that she brought. God miraculously filled. How many times is my life filled with everything about me? Maybe sin or self or pride or vanity. Materialism. Maybe schedule, work responsibilities my heart and my time and my life are full when if I would come before him as an empty vessel that he would fill he will fill everything that we will yield to him if you will yield your will he will give you his will When I yield my strength, he gives me his strength. When I yield my mind to him, he gives me his mind. Everything that I yield to him, he will fill. So how full tonight am I? Ask yourself, how full am I tonight of God? How full am I tonight of the Spirit of God, of the person of God. There's a man of Fox's Book of Martyrs fame. His name is Savonarola. His biographer wrote of him. He was to stand and preach one night in Brescia, Italy, and Savonarola stood on the platform while the people waited for five hours. Uh, it's a different ta- day. It's a different time. It's a different era. We have, we have social media to update. We have responsibilities in our time. We have demands upon our schedule. I know that we're not living in those days, the 14 to 1500s, so we might never be able to wait for five hours. They said Savonarola waited for five hours before he stepped to the pulpit. And his biographer wrote, in that day, Savonarola had found his power. He waited on God. Spirit fullness. Am I running ahead with my plans or am I tearing until the Holy Spirit directs? As a missionary, there are great expectations. There are great expectations. Prayer letters need to say, Some things and not say other things. There are great expectations. How easy it is to do it in the power of the flesh. In ministry, there are great restraints that are put upon us. In the home, there are great restraints that are put upon us. In life. to be filled with His Spirit. Will we run ahead with life or will we tarry until we are filled with the Spirit? How will we reach 7 billion people? Is it possible? Would God give us a command that was an impossible command? Would God give us a task that was impossible to accomplish? It seems impossible because we are trying it in the power of the flesh. What could God do with those that are in this room tonight, in this room alone? What could God do in our generation if we would fully yield ourselves to him and be fully obedient to him? Anywhere, anything, anytime, you lead I will follow. Have you ever come to that place in your life? We sing where he leads me. I will follow. Perhaps we should sing it where he leads me. I might follow. If it's pleasant. If he promises fruitfulness. Oh, to be led by God. Oh, to be filled with His Spirit. Is the gospel powerful enough to reach into any culture? Is it powerful enough to convert the vilest of sinners? Is it powerful enough to cross national boundaries? then who would yield themselves before a holy God and ask for His fullness and ask for His power and say, I will be a vessel to take your gospel wherever you will lead me? My plea as we travel about the country, my plea is for laborers. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. You think that it's not possible, that you're an unlikely prospect, but the Holy Spirit of God can empower you. He can guide you. He can lead you to do that which is beyond you, to do that which is eternal, Folks, the hour is late. The days that we live in, they're dark, but the fields are still wide and to harvest. The master's still calling. The flames of hell are still real. The gospel is still powerful. The Holy Spirit is still willing. The Lord promises that if we go, if we go with the gospel, he promises in Matthew 28 that if we will go all the way to the end of the world, that he will go with us, we do not have to go on. We can go with him. The power of the flesh will not do. Tarry ye. Tarry ye. I recall walking around the lake at How's Anderson College. I can remember be it, you know, the someone preached on being used of God. And just a sophomore in college. I remember walking around, it was in the snow. I remember walking around the the lake there and saying God I don't know how I'm an introvert I don't know how but if you would use me we're all nothings before him but through Christ through Christ you can go wherever he asks you to go and speak to anyone he asks you to speak to and do any work that he has asked you to do in the power of the Spirit. Tarry before God. Fall on your face before Him. Yield your life and your heart to Him. Tarry ye until you be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye. Tarry ye.